lived and died on the earth, shed your blood on the cross, died and were resurrected. But then you left the earth, Father, and went to go sit at the right hand of the, of the Father in heaven. But you left the name of Jesus for the church to use while you were in heaven. So, Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. In, in that name, Father, is full and complete authority over every sickness and disease, over malady and aches and pains. Father, that name is sufficient. It carries all the authority of heaven. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for that great name, Father. That name carries all the weight that we need to execute your authority in the earth. It contains all the power that we need to execute your will and plan in the earth. And Father, part of your will and plan is that number one, your church lives in divine health. And number two, Father, the world can see the goodness of God through the healing power of God. And so we thank you for this, Father. We give you all praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're thankful for the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's uh, really what we use to execute God's plan and will on the earth. And um, there's no other name given to us except for that name. Amen. Uh, and the church needs to make sure that when we, when we are praying or executing something that requires authority, then um, uh, we should uh, take advantage of the name of Jesus. We should uh, call upon the name of Jesus as opposed to other things, amen? Oftentimes the church gets involved in other concepts of the Word of God that don't have anything to do with authority, uh, like, you know, preach the cross or something and, or pleading the blood of Jesus. And oftentimes people use things like pleading the blood of Jesus in a context where the name of Jesus needs to be brought to bear as opposed to the blood of Jesus because the blood of Jesus was never given to the church to execute authority in the earth. And it's not given to the, to the church to uh, provide uh, safety and protection. The name of Jesus was given to us for that purpose. And so uh, oftentimes, um, you know, the, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 gives us all the armor of God. And oftentimes, you know, we're using, we're using the, the sword of the Spirit to hammer a nail. I mean, you can do that, it's just not very effective, amen? And so oftentimes we use one aspect of the Word of God to try to do something else, and we find uh, often that it's not very effective. Uh, and I suppose we, we would normally chalk that up to maybe we're just not in enough faith, but that's not often the case. The case is we're not executing the plan and will of God according to His Word in the way that He presented it. If He, is, if he has given us a name that's above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, then if there's anything that needs to bow down before the will and plan of God, then we need to bring to bear the name of Jesus and not the helmet of salvation or the blood of Jesus or uh, anything else. We need to use and execute the name of Jesus. And that's why you see when it comes to healing, especially you know the examples that we have, uh, for example, Acts chapter 3, when... Um, uh, the man was, was at the gate beautiful. Uh, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Uh, and so he executed authority by the name of Jesus, amen? amen. Um, and so it, it's not, you know, it's not about being picky. I mean, it is, it is being picky in a sense, but, uh, you know, our responsibility is to search the word of God and find out uh, it, are there constraints about how you want to do things? You know, for example, uh, how do you execute healing uh, for somebody who needs healing? Is there one and only one way to do it? Uh, is it only on, with the laying on of hands? No, we have many, many various ways, right? Uh, laying on of hands is one of them. Uh, speaking the word only is, is one of them. Anointing with oil is one of them. Um, sometimes casting out a devil is one of them. Uh, spitting on the ground and, and uh, making mud, you know, is uh, one of them. Uh, prayer cloths are one of them, amen. Sometimes even natural things like the fig with, uh, uh, with uh, Hezekiah, uh, that could be one of them. The Lord may say, well, tell them to stop doing this or start doing that, and that, will, that they will uh, obtain healing in that way. So uh, in that case, there is no law. There are many and various ways, and so we should uh, 
be aware of the Spirit of God and what His instructions are in that moment. If He gives no instructions, then we go with either what our heart tells us or we, we just go, you know, the laying on of hands will always work, amen? Uh, and so, but when it comes to executing authority, the only name that we've been given is the name of Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, um, uh, sometimes in our Christian walk, we're a little sloppy in, in our execution of the plan of God, uh, and we kind of do things, you know, I've seen people uh, lay their Bible on somebody, right? Uh, if somebody needs healing, they lay their Bible on them, okay, but is there any book, chapter, and verse for that at all? I mean, that one's just made up, right? Out of whole cloth, there's not, there's no examples, and no, that's not even a thing, right? Because first of all, they had no books at the time of the completion of the writing of the Word of God. They only had scrolls, and so um, it's, uh, uh, that's, uh, what about, uh, what about the crucifix? Can we take the crucifix and uh, show a devil the crucifix? Will that scare the devil away? I mean, he's going to be like, there's nobody on it. <laughs> I mean, you know, what are you showing me? I've shown me an empty cross, okay? Well, maybe that was the cross of the thief. Or, I, mean, I mean, you got one out of three chance you could, to get it right, I suppose. Um, it, does, does the Word of God instruct us to use the crucifix for any type of healing endeavor? No, in fact, there's no use of the crucifix in any context of the Word of God. Neither is there any context of using the printed Word to lay upon somebody in any way, and so uh, since we have neither instruction nor we have examples of that, then we should leave such things alone, amen? Uh, and remember when the, when the Bible with the oil uh, came around and it even came here to Dayton, Tennessee, uh, is there any context of using oil from, from a Bible that we should use to obtain healing or anything else? No, I mean, so just on the surface, that should be pretty suspect, amen? You know, sometimes the Lord will do various and unusual things, right? Uh, you know, he, he said that, uh, uh, that through the hands of Paul that uh, he, he had unusual uh, signs and wonders, right? Special miracles by the hands of Paul. So the Lord can do some unusual things, but even if it's unusual, it's still going to be in the context that we see the rest of the Word of God. If we understand that healing comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, then, for example, when Paul, in Acts chapter 19... When they, when they took handkerchiefs or aprons from his body uh, and they laid them on a sick, well, what is that? Is that some special, super special cloth that you know, only w- was uh, woven in the, the uh, foothills of the Himalayan mountains or something special like that with some special anointed sheep or goat? No, it was just a, a medium that was, that was able to contain the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and it could be transferred at a distance. And... and um, uh, but we also know other times when Jesus was speaking that he said, uh, the centurion said, speak the word only. And at a, some a distance away from where he was, the, the centurion's servant was healed. So if there's a distance between you and the person needing healing, uh, there's many different ways that you could provide healing for them. You could speak the word only. You could pray on a prayer cloth and send that across, understanding that it's still the same power of God, amen? So it's not a, it's not a separate, well, we have a doctrine of, of prayer cloths that's separate and unique, that there's something special about these prayer cloths and the, and the material of them. Although just from a from practical standpoint, uh, people over the years have found that, uh, that a natural material like cotton or wool or something uh, works really well, whereas man-made materials uh, don't seem to work as well, like uh, rayon and nylon, that kind of thing. Those are man-made materials. And why, that, why is that? Well, it kind of makes sense because th- these things are created by God. You know, he created wheat and created uh, cotton and created uh, wool. Uh, and, and if he created that, then it seems like that could contain the power of God, whereas man creates things, it doesn't contain, there's only death and there's no life, there's never any life in it, amen? Uh, and so... But you find some of those things out just by experience, which is, which is fine. But then you start asking, well, why is that? Then you can pull the curtain back a little bit and get some, in, some insight into why those things work. Uh, and so, uh, so let's follow the instructions of the Word of God. Amen. There's many and varied ways that the Bible is given to us to obtain healing. And um, if the Lord wants to move in a special way, make sure that whatever special way that, but that you sense the Lord is wanting to use you, that it lines up with the rest of the Word of God. So if you, if you have to use something unusual like the blood of Jesus to do that, 
that would be unusual because that's separate. That seems to be distinct from the plan of why the Lord gave us these things, right? Because we understand that the blood of Jesus was there uh, for really for two primary reasons. Number one is that is the, it was the purchase price, the medium of exchange to, to buy our redemption. Uh, and number two, it's what cleanses us from all sin. Amen. We're washed in the blood. Uh, and, and, and even the song, there's power in the blood. Remember that song? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood. Well, I mean, that's great, but, but I mean, it, there is power for, for, for um, being washed, but there's not power like needed to be healing. There's no example of that, amen? Uh, and um, you never saw the disciples go up there and dip their finger in the blood of Jesus and then go somewhere and preach a healing message and, uh, and say, this finger was, was dipped in the blood of Jesus, so come up here. There's, but there was never any of that, which would be kind of weird anyway. But, uh, and so, so let's stick with the word, amen? If the Holy Spirit can still do some unusual things, we, we will allow the Holy Spirit to do some unusual things, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but make sure, it, whatever it is, that it lines up with the principles of the Word of God. Uh, and if we do that, then we will see a greater increase, amen, uh, in the move in the plan of God. Uh, and so let's turn back to 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's look at this uh, story here. Um, so this is... Uh, uh, I think it's the last, uh, well, not quite the last one, but um, continuing in this chapter, that, uh, she said this chapter is uh, healing of the children, but this is not really, there's no children. In, in, I mean, there's children in the story, but they, they didn't get healing. And so, um, uh, but that's okay. So, uh, but here in 2 Kings in chapter 5, let's start in verse 2. It says, and the Syrians had gone out by, by companies that had brought away uh, captives brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. The Syrians had gone out by companies that had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So, so we know the story. This is the story of, of Naaman the Syrian. So, uh, was uh, Naaman a a, uh, a Jew? Was he an Israelite? No, he was a Syrian, right? So he was actually, in uh, uh, sometimes depending on the time and. Uh, of uh, history, uh, either were, were um, allies with Israel or were the enemies of Israel. Uh, and so in, in this case, uh, you've got Naaman the Syrian, who was, uh, by reading the context, seemed like he was a general in the army uh, of Syria. Uh, and so, uh, of course, uh, in this case, where they had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, so they're not an ally of Israel, right? They, they were an enemy of Israel and taking captive uh, uh, people, in this case, a little maid of Israel and turn this little maid into a servant to Naaman's wife, the general's wife. Uh, and, she, and so we already know at this point in time, Naaman had leprosy, which leprosy is, you know, is a, contagious, uh, a, a contagious disease and it's debilitating and, and ultimately will cause your death as uh, it, it deteriorates your physical body. Uh, and um, it's similar to cancer, except in this case, it typically will eat away you know, uh, appendages, your fingers and ears and nose and things like that. Um, and, um, and I think there's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a viral or, or a bacterial infection, but um, either way, it's an infectious disease. And, um, uh, she was aware of this. This maid was aware of Naaman's sickness and said unto her mistress, uh, in verse 3, Would God, my Lord, were, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So uh, the maid had heard of, of, uh, uh, of Elisha. So this was Elisha's time frame, right? Uh, Elijah had already passed. Now Elisha is the preeminent prophet of the land of Israel. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, Elisha's and Elijah's ministries were very different. Uh, Elijah was very brash and public, and, you know, he did the, uh, killed the 450 prophets of Baal there in, in 1 Kings 18 and, and made fun of them and uh, uh, laughed at them about how, how sad their little uh, gods were. And, um, you know, sometimes that spirit of Elijah gets on me, you know, making fun of people, and, and so... <laughs> So I've got Bible for it, though, you know, not making fun of the enemies. And, and so, um, but Elisha was very private. Uh, uh, you know, he did 
deal with the kings of Israel oftentimes, uh, but he, he didn't really stand in that same level of authority that Elijah did. Uh, but he also, overall in his ministry, if you recall, what did he ask for when Elijah said, what do you want? He wanted a double portion of the anointing. And if you go through the history and the stories of Elijah and count up how many miracles that he uh, had in his ministry, and then you count up the number of miracles that Elisha had in his ministry that was documented in the Word of God, you find that it's, it's basically double the, the number. Uh, and so, so Elisha did operate in a great anointing of the Lord, but it's still, it's, it's interesting that although he was uh, Elijah's servant and served him for many years, uh, still, you know, the overall calling of what the Lord intended him for to do was, was different as it is many times, even though he was there and, and picked up the mantle of Elijah. But it's still, you know, how that mantle manifests in somebody, uh, even if it's the mantle from your prior uh, leader, it may not manifest exactly the same way. And that's not necessarily wrong. That's just, it, it just is what it is. And, and so, so she said that the prophet would heal Naaman. Uh, and so, of course, she wasn't implying that he had some inherent power. She was just saying that the, the healing uh, of Naaman would come through uh, this prophet. So, as oftentimes people will take one thing and I say, well, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm just going to go to the king. And so that's what Naaman did. It says uh, that the king of Samaria, so apparently the word went all the way from this general up to the king of Samaria, where they had, uh, had attacked Israel, and had, had taken many captives, uh, but hadn't defeated all of the nation of Israel. They were still a, a nation. Uh, and so uh, the king of Samaria sent to the king of Israel a letter saying, um, asking him to make Naaman well. And of course, um, uh, we'll write, if you come down to verse 6 here, it says, And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter has come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. So the king of Samaria sent the, sent the king of Israel um, to, to go and say, Hey, uh, my servant's here. Go ahead and get him healed. Ask the king to do that. Well, of course, uh, the, the maid said, get the prophet to do that. But um, uh, instead of, of following her instructions, because, you know, what does she know? She's just a child, right? And so oftentimes we ignore the wisdom of children and decide that we know better and, and we'll do it ourselves. Because surely if the prophet of, of Israel can heal Naaman, then the king of Israel can heal Naaman. And so that's what, that's what this uh, king of Samaria did. Hey, here's my servant. I'm sending him to you, king of Israel. Please uh, recover him of his leprosy. And so in verse 7, it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes. You know, there was a lot of Old Testament clothes ripping. You ever notice that? You know, uh, there was, uh, it must have been a good business to be a tailor in the Old Covenant, right? Because a lot of people ripping their clothes uh, and so rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth sent unto me to recover a man of leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. So the king of Israel was nervous. He was thinking that he was setting him up, that the king of Samaria was setting him up to, hey, uh, get Naaman healed. And of course, the king couldn't do it. And so the king of Samaria is, Oh, you're not going to do that, so I guess I'm going to attack you. So he's thinking it's a conspiracy uh, that... Um, um, against him as the king and um uh, you know your first go-to about something shouldn't be some conspiracy theory right uh, but oftentimes you know even in the church uh, lots of conspiracy theories anybody remember the the 2020 election talk about conspiracy theories wow uh and so uh it's uh, uh it's a, a strange world we live in sometimes so he was thinking it's a conspiracy that the that the samaritan king would use uh, as a reason why he should attack the king of Israel. Uh, and so uh, it says in verse 8, and it was so uh, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes. So uh, it's funny because uh, the king rents his clothes. That's big news, right? It's on all the news channels. It's on satellites, on the internet. Everybody's hearing about the king rending his clothes. And it made it all the way to Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes uh, that he sent to the king, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Uh, and so he, apparently he knew about uh, the circumstances and what was going on uh, and why, you know, that it was Naaman that was being sent. Uh, and so he, he was kind enough here 
to say, uh, just send, send him to me, right? Uh, and so, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, in verse 8, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Uh, and so, you know, the prophet of, of, of Israel stood in a, in a unique place. You know, the king, for the most part, most of the kings, except for David, was really the exception, but most of the kings were uh, the figurehead of Israel and, and showed the authority of Israel, but not so much the power of God. Uh, the, the, the power of God was primarily found in the ministry of the prophet in the Old Covenant. Now, of course, we live in the New Covenant, amen? So things have changed. Now, all Christians individually have the right to contain the power of God. They have the Holy Spirit in them. And so uh, a lot of times the church wants to go back to kind of an Old Covenant mentality where we got to go find a prophet. We need, we need to move a God, let's go find a prophet. Now, and that's really Old Testament mentality. We shouldn't be thinking that way because now you have the Holy Spirit in you, I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and I understand we still, need, we still need the fivefold ministry gifts, but the fivefold ministry gifts in the New Testament are not here to be the only uh, containers of the power of God. The primary intent of the fivefold ministry gifts is to instruct the church, including a prophet, to instruct the church, and here's how to utilize the power of God that's in you. And they'll do that by both word and demonstration and saying, look, here's what the power of God can do. You can do the same thing. Uh, with the power of God that's in you. And so that's really the primary intent of the, uh, there is a prophet in the New Testament, but he stands in a different role, uh, a very different role than the prophet of the Old Covenant. There, there's some similarities, but um, if you're needing the power of God, see, uh, the king didn't have the power of God. Now, David did. David really stood in the office of the prophet, priest, and king as being kind of a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus because he did prophesy about the Lord Jesus. He did do some uh, miraculous things. And he was the king of Israel. So he did stand in those three offices, but uh, oftentimes the power of God was limited to the prophet of, of uh, Israel. And so if you, needed, if you needed supernatural power, you had to go find a prophet, amen? Oftentimes, and like in this case, the king uh, is the wrong guy to go to. And yet they went to him, right? Oftentimes we go to the wrong guy. And so go to the right guy. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're thankful for the New Testament, Amen. Uh, and um, uh, you should always make sure that your doctrine is, is New Testament doctrine because oftentimes people will, will, will uh, go to the Old Testament and look for things. And, you know, even in the church, oftentimes they'll establish a church and say, well, as a pastor, I'm like Moses. I run the church and so I'm Moses. Uh, and, and that's the wrong mentality. I'm not Moses, you know, uh, because the people of God in the Old Covenant, when, when Moses was around, that was the only way they could find God was to go to Moses. Well, that's not the case. You know, this, we live in the New Testament. You all have the Lord in you. Amen. You have the Spirit of God in you. It's not my job to be the Holy Ghost for you or to you. Uh, my job is to show you how the Holy Ghost in you is supposed to operate. Uh, and so, so he said, send him, send him to me. So, uh, of course, he did that, right? Naaman came uh, with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again, uh, again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. <clears throat> and so uh, Naaman was mad. Verse 11, Naaman was wroth. He was angry. He was mad. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over this place and recover the leper. So Naaman was wanting some spectacular event to occur, right? Elijah come out in a flash of glory, and declare the healing over Naaman, and lightning would, would strike, and thunder would roll, and, and Naaman would be spectacularly and, and miraculously instantly healed. Uh, and it'd be a great show, right? It'd be an awesome uh, uh, show for Naaman. And of course, Naaman wasn't traveling by himself. He had an entourage, and, and you know, Elijah would get glory, and Naaman would get glory, and everybody would get glory, and it'd be awesome. And uh, people would talk about it for, for years. Uh, and yet that's not what he did. In fact, he didn't even go out by himself. He just, hey, Gehazi, you know, you're going out there and, and just tell him what to do. Just tell him to do these things. Uh, and it wasn't even a spectacular thing, like go, you know, swim an ocean or go, you know, climb the tallest mountain or, you know, chop down a tree with a, with a pocket knife, you know, some spectacular thing to do. And no, he just told him a simple thing to do. And of course, Naaman was upset. Uh, and so... 
He said in verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Uh, and, and, you know, how, how often do people uh, prescribe, well, I want it done this way. Lord, I want you to do it this way. Uh, and um, uh, oftentimes people, uh, I've seen many times where people will be in a, in a meeting and the minister, you know, maybe it's Brother Hagen or even the pastor of the church or something, uh, they'll, they'll have a prayer line and they want that guy to pray for them. Uh, and they'll say, well, we've got a lot of people, so why don't, why don't we get some help? You know, you, you, you guys start at that end. You know, you guys start at that end. I'll start in the middle. Uh, and and uh, well, I don't want that. You know, I don't want, I don't want that guy praying for me. I want, I want Brother Hagin to pray for me. I want the pastor to pray for me. Uh, and, and, and not appreciating that it's the same power of God. Amen. Especially if the Spirit of God instructs the minister to do something like that. Well, then you have to have confidence that the, that the, that the Spirit of God, it will flow through them as, as much as through anybody else. But how many, how many folks have get, been upset because I wanted them to lay hands on me uh, and, uh, and not realizing that they're naming when they do that. I want it done my way. Well, you're the sick one. Uh, why are you prescribing to the doctor? Well, doctor, you know, you need to give me this medication. How many people are telling the doctor they're wrong, right? Oh, you can't do that medication. I want this medication over here. Uh, and, uh, and I understand, you know, in the natural world, doctors can... can um, uh, may not always be right in those things, but you got to be careful about second-guessing the doctor, right? I mean, that's, that's their job, right? And so, uh, especially if it's something simple like, hey, you need to get some rest. I'm not resting. Well, then why'd you go to the doctor, right? Uh, if he says you need to get a brain transplant, you know, it'd be okay to get a second opinion with that, something like that, amen? Uh, so he went away in a rage, uh, and of course, his servants came near him and spake unto him. Uh, it said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? That's what we said, right? If he told you to climb a mountain or swim an ocean, you know, you'd have done it. How much rather than when he saith that he washed and be clean? So he, he at least, the nice thing about name is he had people around him that would speak some truth to him. So it is important who you, who you have around you because if he had just yes men around him, they'd have been like, oh yeah, you know, we should come back and attack Elijah or Elisha, right? Which wouldn't have, very, wouldn't have worked very well for them, right? Remember later on, the Syrians were attacking them, and, and Elisha kept saying, uh, they're, they're going to be over there, they're going to be over there, they're going to be over there. And the king of Syria is like, do we have spies? And they go, no, they got a prophet. He knows everything. And so they sent the, the army to the prophet. And, and, and the, uh, the, the servant said, what are we going to do, my master? Look at all these chariots. And, and he said, Lord, open his eyes. And he says, more that's with us than, than uh, that's against us here. Uh, and so... Uh, I, I do like some of Elisha and how he operated. You know, he was a very calm uh, uh, prophet there. He wasn't loud and brash like Elijah, but they were just different, right? And that neither one is right, neither one's wrong. It's just, that's just what they were. And so uh, Naaman, not having yes men around him, so it's important who, who's, who's speaking into your life, right? And are you allowing them to speak into your life? Or, you know, uh, you know if it had been other people, they would have been too afraid to speak to the general hey, you know, uh, maybe you should do this. Because a lot of times you never just cut your head off and and not even think twice about it. So clearly Naaman was at least a good leader in the sense he had good people that worked for him and that was willing to listen to what they said. And it says that he, so he did yield to him. This is verse 14. But he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Now we know, you know, Jesus talked about this very story, right? That, uh, uh, that how many lepers do you reckon were in the nation of Israel at this point in time from a historical standpoint? Probably a lot, right? I mean, we don't know how many, but leprosy was, was uh, a rampant uh, sickness in this time frame of history. Uh, and uh, in fact, he said there are many lepers in, in the nation of Israel, but only one was healed. Now, it's, it, now we're not going to go back and read it all, but if you go back to uh, just, uh, I'm going to read it here in Luke or Leviticus uh, chapter 14. <clears throat> It says here, just in, um, I'll just read a verse or two here. It says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priests. Uh, and so from there down, the, the, the vast majority of that uh, chapter there um, is, is a whole lot of instructions about what to do when uh, somebody has leprosy and is cleansed in the nation of Israel. 
And it has some other details also in, Le in Leviticus chapter 13 as well. So there's a whole lot of, uh, of scripture in uh, the law of here's what to do when a leper is supernaturally healed of leprosy. And yet how many Israelites took advantage of that, of that covenant agreement with the Lord? None. Thousands of years, the nation of Israel had a covenant of God that I will heal your leprosy. And when, that's, when you're healed, because, uh, and they had to have all those laws, because if you're a leper, you were considered to be unclean and because you were contagious. And you could get leprosy from somebody by touching them. You know, typically it was, it was a, uh, uh, a transmission by contact, which is why it was such a big deal in, in, uh, in the New Testament. Uh, in Matthew 8, when the leper came to Jesus, uh, will you heal me? And Jesus, the Bible says, he touched him and he healed him. Well, that's a real no-no in the nation of Israel because leprosy was considered to be contagious. And so the lepers were required by the law of the Old Covenant. You had to stand afar off. And you had to cry unclean if somebody was anywhere near you. And you had to stay away from the general public and, and because uh, you were contagious. And, and there, was no, there was no recovery naturally from, from leprosy. And yet the Lord included uh, all kinds of details in the law about here's what happens. Here's what you should do uh, if you are cleansed from leprosy. Because if you were, if you were identified as being a leper, you were, you were an outcast and you weren't allowed to be part of society at the, from that point forward. So if you were healed, then just to make sure everybody was comfortable, a priest had to check you out, had to make sure that you were really clean. Uh, and if you were, then you had to go do this, had to go do that, go, go through these ceremonies, burn all your clothes, you know, clean up your house, because you know, they, didn't want, uh, they didn't know anything about contagious infectious diseases, but the Lord did, right? He gave instructions about, here's what to do to make sure everything's good and clean. Uh, and then you could re-enter society. So they had all these laws rela related to leprosy, and yet not a single uh, covenant member of the house of Israel took advantage of it. Not one, for thousands of years, right? And Jesus ever pointed out, hey, I mean, you know, there was a lot of lepers, but only a, a, a non-Israelite, a Syrian, from outside the covenant of Israel took advantage of this. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the sad part, because this man went to went to Elisha, and how did he walk away? Walked away clean, right? How many other lepers came to Elisha asking for healing? None. Nobody came to the prophet and said, hey, I want some of that. I heard Naaman, he's not even, he done, he's not even a covenant member of the house of Israel. I want some of that. Uh, if he got it, then I want it, because then I'm going to go back to Leviticus 14. I'm going to find out the things I'm supposed to do uh, after I'm cleansed, remember when Jesus uh, uh, had the ten lepers come to him? They said, go show yourself to the priests. Uh, uh, and that was, was in reference to Leviticus 14. The, uh, now, they weren't even healed yet. But they went to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Uh, and so, so Naaman, uh, Naaman uh, was recovered. Uh, and yet, nobody took advantage of that. That's, that's, that's the thing that amazes me is... You know, Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Didn't he say that? Uh, and yet, how many uh, Israelites were supernaturally healed in the Old Covenant? You know, I'm trying to think of any of them, right? I mean, I'm sure some of them was. But even, of course, even Elisha died of sickness, right? He was sick, uh, where the sickness that he died from uh, in chapter 13 here. But um, uh, I'm trying to think, do you know of anybody? Yeah, yeah, but that was not, there was no faith, that was by accident, right? Uh, and um, he was thrown on, uh, uh, was that even an Israelite? You know, I don't know if that was, he might, might have been Israelite there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they were, there was a marauding band that was coming there, right? So uh, it's, uh, that's in, in uh, what does it even say, right? It says in, uh, in 2 Kings 13, in verse 20, and Elisha died and they buried him in the bands of the Moab, Moabites abated the land at the coming of the year, and it came to pass as they were burying a man, they behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up at his feet. So we have no idea if that was an Israelite or if that was a, uh, if that was uh, anybody else. But of course, that's you can talk a lot about just that story there, right? Uh, in the context of that. So how many times does the church not take advantage of the power of God? How many times has the power of God, remember in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus 
Uh, later on, he healed the man that was born by his four friends. But at the, at the beginning of that, uh, let's, let's go back over to, to Luke chapter 5. In uh, and, and this story here, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? So um, in this story, it starts out with before the man even gets there, uh, talking about the Lord Jesus. And uh, well, we'll get there here eventually. It says... <clears throat> Uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 17, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, uh, which were come out of how many town? Every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So how many people do you reckon were there? Probably a lot, because if you just had one out of every town, that'd be a lot, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the, the several of them came by, Pharisees, doctors of the law, sitting by, come out of every town of Galilee and, and Judea and Jerusalem. And it says, and the power, that word power there is dunamis, the supernatural miracle work and power of God, was present to heal them, and yet how many of them got healed? How many Pharisees and doctors of law got healed in this, in this meeting? None, right? And you reckon uh, you get uh, five doctors of law together and, and one of them not be, at least have something wrong with them that need healing? I mean, you get uh, 10 people together in any church, you know, somebody's going to be sick, Right? Uh, and so uh, that's not a confession, that's just uh, a practical observation, amen? Uh, and so the power of the Lord was present to heal. The power of the Lord was present to heal in the Old Covenant. He established it. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and, and yet uh, no one was healed until the man came, and it says in verse 20, and when he, Jesus, when he saw their faith, so you reckon he saw the faith of any of the Pharisees or the, or the doctors of the law? No, he saw no faith. But he saw this man coming, and he saw, he said, it didn't say he saw his faith. It says he saw their faith. So uh, uh, for sure, the man's friends had faith, and, and I imagine the man himself had to have some amount of faith to allow his friends, hey, can we put you on a, on a gurney, and we're going we're gonna to cut a hole in the roof, we're going to let you down through the... No, you're not doing that. You know, he, wouldn't, he didn't have much faith, right? But this man had faith enough to believe in his friends. And, and so Jesus said, he, it says there in verse 20, that he saw their faith. So uh, how often do people live with uh, sickness and disease uh, when they could go to the master and obtain healing? When they could reach out to them, they could go to Elisha. They could go to Jesus. They could go to a minister. They could go to the word of God. They could go to the spirit of God and obtain healing. And oftentimes people will just put up with things, you know, just for whatever reason. They're busy or they, they just feel like it's their fault or they feel like, you know, they're the, the cause of it. Uh, and, you know, in this case here, uh, you reckon this man that was, uh, that was paralyzed, that's what palsy means, that he was paralyzed. Uh, you reckon that his actions had anything to do with his sickness? Well, sure, because what did Jesus say also in verse 20? When he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, what? Thy sins are forgiven thee. So before Jesus could execute healing in this man's life, uh, the man needed forgiveness. Well, is, is, sin, is sin a roadblock to ever receiving healing? So if you have any sin, are you, does that mean you will never get healed again? No. Uh, you first get forgiven, and then you get your healing. And that's the way, that's the, way uh, the Lord Jesus operates, right? Uh, and so... So uh, we, should, we should take advantage of, uh, of this understanding that anytime people go to the Lord, they always left with their, with their needs met. Uh, but people who don't go to the Lord, how many people didn't go to the prophet Elisha that had leprosy in, in the nation of Israel? All of them. Nobody went. None of them got healed. Uh, everybody that went to Naaman uh, or everybody that went to Elisha with leprosy to be healed received healing which is only one. And you know, you think there'd be a line, right? Hey, did you hear about Naaman? Or, or they thought, well, we'll just bypass Elisha. We'll just go dip in the River Jordan seven times. Uh, and, and was there any stories of anybody getting healed by going to the River Jordan seven times? No. Why is that? Well, because that was the word of the Lord for Naaman. The nation of Israel uh, might have been just, well, do you believe in the Lord thy God? Yeah, well, then you're healed. They, they may have got it only by faith. Uh, and so a lot of times we will take, uh, we'll take a formula 
and we'll try to replicate the formula. Like when Jesus spit on the eyes, of, uh, for the, uh, spit on the ground for the blind man, is that the law? That we spit on the ground and make, uh, make mud to pray for the blind? No, because did Jesus do that every time? No, I mean like blind Bartimaeus, he said, uh, blind Bartimaeus comes to him and Jesus asks him the captain obvious question, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I'd like to get a cheeseburger and some fries. I mean, what do you think that, what's the, right, what's the only answer that I might receive my sight? And Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. Uh, go in peace. Uh, and so, uh, so the, uh, we should learn from that is we go to the source of power. Amen. We don't try to replicate an action like spitting on the ground or doing things. Now, uh, you know, it, that doesn't mean that uh, if you're in the ministry or even if you're not in the ministry, uh, if, uh, if the Lord uses you in a certain way, you know, that's fine, right? Uh, there, there was a farmer back in the day that uh, he was well known that uh, when people would come to him for prayer, he would spit on his hands and he'd rub it and then he would lay hands on your head. Now that's super exciting right there, right? I mean, you know, how many, how many uh, gallons of, of, uh, of, what's this stuff called? The, the, uh, no, the, the, what's the uh, stuff to use to, to get rid of germs, right? Uh, what's that? Germex, you know, hand sanitizer. That's the one in front of the thing of. How many gallons of hand sanitizer would you want to rub on your head after somebody spits on your head, right? Uh, and so, but he had a lot of success. In fact, uh, um, the stories about him was that he had greater success than most ministers. Uh, and that's just the way the Lord used him. Well, is that a spitting on hands ministry? Should we replicate that? No, but it worked for him. Uh, and so, uh, was he in a rut? Well, that's just what he, he sensed that the Lord used him in that particular way. Uh, and so, it doesn't mean that you won't do the same thing twice, but, but, but the, the issue is oftentimes we want to say, well, Lord, uh, I could take it from here. And instead of being led by the Spirit of God, we become superstitious. And we say, well, there must be something magical about the River Jordan. Well, that's superstition, right? Thinking that a natural thing is a source of power, right? And so we're, gonna, we're not going to believe God. We're just going to, I saw that farmer over there spit on his hands, so I'm going to go spit on my hands over here and expect the same result. Well, that's superstition. That's believing in a natural thing of spitting on hands. That must, that must be the key. That's the key. That's not the key. <laughs> the key is what's the will of God, amen? What's the power of God? Uh, and so... So we, we've got to be careful in, in turning everything into a law because uh, there's no power in the law, amen? There's no power in, in uh, uh, these methods that Jesus gave to us, whether it's spitting on hands, you know, sometimes he stuck his fingers in the ears, sometimes uh, he led them out of town, you know, sometimes he prayed for them, sometimes he cast the devil out of them. Uh, and so uh, we, we just have to be careful. Uh, the easiest thing is just be led by the Spirit of God. What does the Lord want you to do, right? Maybe he may tell you, get more rest. He may tell you, go and find somebody else. You know, maybe if you're struggling with getting your own healing, uh, the Lord may send you somewhere. Well, go, uh, uh, go, go in faith and let them help you, amen? Uh, and if that's the, the Lord's instructions, well, then that's what you should do with diligence, amen? Uh, and so, so um, the, uh, the, just like with Jesus, remember with Jesus, with the, both the centurion and Jairus, Remember, he just spoke the word only, uh, and, and, um, and actually, it wasn't Jairus there. I don't know why I have Jairus, because he actually went to his household, but uh, with, the, with the nobleman's son, uh, the nobleman there, uh, that uh, he said, I'm not going to go down to your household, just believe only, and he did, and he was healed, right? And so, um, so Elisha was actually a precursor to Jesus, right, in that sense. He just spoke the word only. Didn't even see the man, uh, and, and he received healing. So, you know, the good news is we can obtain healing, and, uh, and everybody that goes to the Lord gets healed, amen? amen? Even the Old Testament, both Old Testament and New Testament, everybody that came to them, even the man in, in Acts chapter 3, he did it by accident, right? He was just sitting at the gate beautiful, and, and Peter and John walked by, uh, and, and uh, he asked him for an alms. Well, he got their attention. Uh, he, he never got the attention of Jesus. Why? I don't know. You know, he didn't, he didn't cry out for Jesus. But then other times there'd be uh, people, lepers and blind men, uh, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And they would cry out to Jesus and he would stop and he would uh, grant them the very thing that they desired. So 
That's the one consistent thing you can find out through all the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. Everybody who comes to the Lord uh, gets the thing they desire. Amen? Nobody's turned away. Nobody said no. Uh, and so uh, that, that should encourage us, amen, that we can go to the Lord and we can obtain these things that belong to us. Uh, and so she finishes up this chapter with a story about uh, this family that had a, had a puppy. Uh, and uh, anybody remember reading this story here in, in this chapter? Uh, so the family had a puppy, and of course the children, uh, there was children in the family, uh, and um, the puppy was not well. Uh, and, and so uh, the, the children, because they'd gone to church, uh, prayed for the puppy, laid hands on the puppy, right, and believed that it was healed. Uh, and so then I said, uh, is it okay if we get the puppy to come play with it? Because, you know, kids love playing with puppies. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the mom's like, well, no, you know, the puppy's not good, not healthy. You know, we, we, we don't, uh, don't want it to be playing right now. And, of course, the kids are like, uh, uh, well, mom, that's not what you said. Uh, in fact, the quote, you know, I just wrote the quote down. Mother, you said that God uh, blessed his people's cattle and kept them well. Uh, he is our cattle, isn't he? Uh, you know, that just sounds like a kid would say that, right? And of course, if a kid has got uh, childlike faith, that's their faith, right? To believe God for this puppy. Uh, and so the mother relented and the, pu- the puppy was, was perfectly well, amen? Uh, and so oftentimes kids are really good at that because, you know, if you tell a child what the word of God says, they'll just believe it and they'll execute that. Uh, and, and see great uh, healings and, and results from, from their actions of faith. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and, and of course, the other stories were about the children getting healed, uh, but then uh, a child was used in Naaman's life, and then that story with the child, with the child and the children and, and the puppy there. Uh, kids are a great, uh, a great source, and really it's good to uh, teach children, even at a young age, that God's a healer. Amen. Uh, and so, so that ends that chapter there. So there's only two questions in, in this chapter. You guys want to answer them? I mean, we've got, we got a few minutes here before the end of the service there. Uh, I think we can answer two questions, right, uh, in, uh, in this chapter there. And I think we could have probably come up with a few more questions there. But you preach things a little bit differently sometimes when you actually get into the, into the notes, right? <clears throat> and so both of these questions are related to children. Uh, the first question is, if the children are too young to believe God for themselves, what must we do for their healing? And remember, so some, some of these things are from the context of the book there, so you'll have to read the book there uh, to get the answer to that question. But the, the answer is you get the parents to unite in faith for them. Amen? So, you know, if the kids are, you know, two and three years old, they don't know anything about faith at that point in time, more than likely, uh, then it's really the parents' responsibility uh, up, to, you know, up to a certain age. There's no particular number there, uh, but it's the parents' uh, authority that they can execute on behalf of the child. Uh, and so they should be united in faith for the children. Uh, but then question number two says, if the children are old enough to believe God for themselves, <clears throat> what must we do for their healing? Uh, and of course, this is her answer. She said, read the word of God to them, especially stories of healing. Uh, but, you know, really, as, as children progress and they get old enough and, and have read the word of God and heard the word of God long enough, what you'll find is that the ability for the parents to obtain the blessings that the child needs begins to wane as the Lord expects the child to pick up uh, their faith and obtain those things for themselves. Uh, and that's not the Lord punishing the children or anything like that. It's just they've heard the word of God. They've heard faith. Uh, and um, they have the ability, even if they don't understand that, they have the ability to obtain those same blessings by their own faith. And that's really part of the job of the parents to, to train the children up to the point and then kind of let them obtain these things by faith on their own. Amen. Uh, and so, so that, that, that was a, uh, I thought it was a good chapter just talking about the, the children uh, in relation to those things. And um, in those cases, all the children were, were sick beyond the ability for them to do anything. Uh, in fact, remember Jairus' daughter actually died. That's how sick she was, that she was near death. Uh, in, the, uh, uh, in fact, uh, same thing with the nobleman's son, that his, he said, come, come ere my child die. And so these parents were desperate, right? Uh, and oftentimes parents are willing to do whatever it takes. They went and found Jesus, traveled at a distance uh, in terrain that back in that day was not easy to travel, and, and yet they did for the benefit of their children and received the blessings that they, they desired from the Lord in those cases. And so, you know, a lot of times parents make kind of weird, you know, Lord, put this sickness on me instead of my child, 
Well, that's not an option, right? That you can't make that deal with the Lord because he didn't put the, on the sickness on the child to begin with. Uh, and he would never put sickness on anybody. And so we should never try to make deals like that as if you are the Lord Jesus and as if you are the one who should be a substitutionary sacrifice for your children. The Lord is not asking us to become sacrificial um, people for the sake of our children. He's already been that sacrifice, amen? Um, what he is asking us is to be people of faith uh, for our children and for our friends, amen? Uh, and so we'll pick up uh, this, uh, well, well, I can't pick it up next week because uh, uh, Brother Larry Hutton will be with us next week. And um, uh, we'll pick this up next chapter there, chapter 7, about you having authority. That'll be a good chapter there. Uh, and um, we'll pick that up here in a couple of weeks. Amen. Well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, just as the children, we see that they obtained healing in the, in the, even in the Old Covenant. Father, that, that uh, we can obtain healing by coming to you. Everybody that came to you, Father, left uh, healed. Everybody came to your prophet, left healed. Uh, everybody came to you when you were on, your, on the earth, uh, left healed. Everybody that, that came to the disciples in the book of Acts, left healed, Father. Everybody who approaches the Lord leaves healed. And so, Father, we thank you for that, for those examples. And we choose to have faith that when we come to you, Father, even today, even though you're not here on this earth, when we come to you, we will leave healed. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you all praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's see, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's uh, offering here. And uh, don't forget, uh, next Saturday is Jared's graduation. Next Sunday, Brother Larry Hutton will be with us. Uh, Strawberry Festival is on Saturday, May the 13th. We'll be here at 9.30, setting up. Uh, and um, the parade starts around noon, and we'll be giving out all that free water to, to whoever comes by. And then uh, Mother's Day will be on May the 14th. And come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. Uh, we'll have our church meal on, on May 14th. And then on June the 3rd, is it June the 3rd, right? Saturday, June the 3rd, uh, we'll have our free yard sale. And someone said, Who, uh, where did the proceeds go? It's free yard sale. There are no proceeds, right? And so, <laughs> what's that? Proceeds go to whoever gets the stuff. Yeah, whoever gets the stuff, right? And so, um, but we do that just to be a blessing to the community. And so, uh, that'll be on, on uh, Saturday, June the 3rd. And on Friday, June the 2nd, we'll open up the, the building uh, for the church. And if they need uh, any of those uh, things in there, they can, of course, they can take advantage of that as well. Uh, and then we'll open it up for the public on on Saturday, June the 3rd, amen? So that's always, that's always fun. If you want to see some wild uh, uh, people that are excited about stuff, come out there, then people get excited about stuff, amen? Uh, all right, we'll be blessed. We'll see you all uh, Wednesday.